0: Hi I'm Lucy a spiritual life coach.
1: I'm Cheryl a fitness and life coach.
0: Welcome to our podcast Find Find Your Your Happy. Happy. Every week we discuss different ideas and techniques to help you live a happier
1: more purposeful life. So let's get started.
0: This week we have a special guest for you we are gonna introduce you to Donna
1: Campbell. Donna Campbell is a professional speaker, international healer, and best-selling author. She teaches, trains, and mentors heart-centered business owners how to align your inner balance and gain infinite prosperity in all areas of your life. As a former financial advisor, Dorna's book, A Financially Fit, is a number one Amazon international bestseller bringing together the world of money and the energy world of the soul's essence. Dorna
0: shares her techniques that she has learned all around the world from yogic healers, Zen Buddhist monks and a medicine woman while maintaining a private practice. This has earned Dorna the title of the Mind Whisperer for creating instantaneous results in the areas of health, wealth and relationships. Dawna has over 25 years of experience and has shared the stage with notables such as Lisa Nichols, Dr. Joe Vitale, Cher Lecter, and Kevin Harrington. She's been featured on Roku TV, Yahoo Finance, Fox News, NBC, and the Los Angeles Tribune. Her personal heart-centered healing philosophy (laughs) is to create a world that is a better place for everyone. From Big Fork, Montana, let's welcome Donna Campbell.
1: Our podcast is all about finding your happiness. So today we're talking yeah. to you, Donna, about how you found yours and your tips for other people. Okay. So if we can start off by asking you just
0: to
2: tell us a bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Well, formally, I'm a financial advisor and a managing principal of an investment firm. And Under the area that I had, I was responsible for $500 million of other people's money. (laughs) It was incredibly stressful, lots of worry, lots of pressure, lots of frustration, lots of anger. And what that ended up doing was breaking down my health. And I learned a couple of years after that, I couldn't digest food. So it put me on a healing journey. It turned me towards natural medicine and really how we truly create our reality from our inside out. So for the last 11 years, I'm a professional international healer, a speaker, and a best selling author. Why? Sounds amazing and such a journey to go on. It was an interesting five years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What made you change your career from working in financial? Was it just purely the health and stress of the situation? Or had you been thinking
2: about changing your career anyway? The corporation I was working for, the investment firm, changed their entire structure of who they were serving. And I lasted, I was there another four or five years after that, but it was getting harder and harder. Um, Part of it was the anger in the environment, but because I wasn't able to digest food, there was something in my life also that I wasn't able to digest. And when I sought out oriental medicine, naturopathic ways, what I learned was what was outside in my outside world that I couldn't digest was the infidelity of my marriage. That I couldn't see at the time that it was happening. Yeah. And then it was after that I met a Zen Buddhist monk who was teaching meditation classes in the town that I lived in. So I went because I knew my career wasn't what I thought it was, my marriage wasn't what I thought it was, that I was a common factor and I need to figure out some things. And what he taught us to do through a walking meditation is how to embody meditation as a lifestyle. And I started paying attention to how I felt when I was in that state and I wanted to learn more. So I moved to an ashram, which is a spiritual living community, and stayed there for a year to really learn about meditation, healing, brainwave patterns, physics, you name it. I studied it. And through the course of being there at the ashram, I decided that I couldn't live and do my you know career in the way that I would have wanted to, because I didn't like how it felt anymore because of what was going on. And I was happier not being in that environment. So I chose myself and I chose my happiness along the way. Why? Wow. So you've had just drops a few little bombshells there.
0: So first of all, can I just ask when you said about the infidelity in your marriage? although you didn't know at the time, was it like your intuition or your
2: body trying to tell you that something wasn't quite right, do you think? Right, absolutely. I had just had my second child at the time, and I was also attempting to release the excess baby weight that I had held on to. And I was going to the gym five, six, seven days a week, working out with a personal trainer, counting calories, kept a food log, all of those things. A year later, my weight was still the same. So I changed gyms, I changed trainers, I changed diets. And again, six months, nothing. So when I realized the infidelity of my marriage and decided that I was going to make that change, I filed for divorce. And when he left the house, I was happy. I was happier. Yeah. And I quit going to the gym. I quit working out. I quit counting calories. If I wanted brownies for dinner, I ate them because I was happy. And in three months, over 40 pounds fell off of my body because I was truly happy for the first time. And what I realized was it wasn't necessarily infidelity. It was the anger in the marriage that I was absorbing and realizing that when I was little, I grew up in a very angry environment with my parents. So I thought it was normal. I didn't know anything different. And when that energy was completely removed and I could just feel like I could breathe and I was starting to become happier, everything in my life started to change. So then I went that That was part of learning the meditation, practicing, doing some things for myself. And then going to the ashram, realizing that I couldn't live my old lifestyle anymore because I like food. (laughs) I want to digest food. (laughs) Um, And that anger, it's the anger that broke down everything in my body. And so it's been this life journey now that, well, if I'm not angry, I might as well be happy. And if I'm in the state of happiness, I'm going to have optimal health. I'm going to have better finances i'm going to have better relationships because happiness breeds happiness so true it's amazing what we'll put up with because of conditioning as
1: well talking about you know what your your parents relationship and and your family situation it's amazing what you'll you'll think is acceptable as an adult because of the conditioning of your past and it's amazing
0: yes. what how we all spend so much time trying to fix the external stuff, yeah. don't we? Yeah, you'll go through years trying to, like you said, changing your personal trainers, thinking it's something on the outside, but really it's all from within. It is.
1: And um, what um, what did your family um and and your friends say
2: when you left for an ashram? I guess I was strong enough and independent enough that I didn't really take in consideration what other people thought. I did take my two children with me. Um, I wasn't married at the time. It was a year after the divorce and realized I had to do it for me. And I, a few friends were like, you are packing everything up. You sold everything. You're moving into this little tiny place to do what? And you don't have, you're going to quit your job and not have one yeah yeah that sounds like a great plan <laughs> and then I had her friend say you know she has to do it it's part of her journey it's um what is needed because she has to go discover herself
0: and it's that's very admirable do. so what is an ashram like then did
2: you, were you working still in a job as well as living there or different ashrams operate differently I was one in the United States following an, um, Ananda, which was a um, meditation yogic pathway. And where I was there, it was a communal living center. So I had my own apartment. Um, I was above the temple. I was free to come and go. I was free to have a job. I was free to do whatever I needed to do. And then when you chose to participate in the different events, you could do that. So there was community dinners. We had Seva days. We worked and operated like a living community but we were still independent. I know other ashrams are different. You go there, you're more in silence or you're, you know, you have a schedule and a structure you have to follow for the day. And it was a little bit different where I was at there, but I was there the teaching, the learning and the techniques to have my life be better and figure me out wow
1: yeah that sounds um sounds like a, a place we would enjoy yeah. that's for sure uh, <laughs> I, do, I'm surprised
0: people weren't like is it a cult do they automatically think that or is it more acceptable
2: no. um I guess it depends on the person's point of view and perception I think some people might think it would be because if they're not familiar with it but you're just really going there for your study time And that's what I did as I studied. I wasn't required to believe a certain way or act a certain way, go to certain events or anything like that. Um, I lived pretty independently. I had, and one of the reasons why it was in a different state than where I, where I was living is, is that you have like a community that's around you that if you needed help, there were people there um, to help or to assist or to do different things. So it was like, instant friends you didn't have to like go and make friends if you moved to another city so it was like that except our apartments and stuff were all on the same property so it's like going to an apartment complex moving in and everyone worked as a community I mean it was that type of feel to it so
0: do, do you think how old were your children when you moved there they were little so they were three and seven at that so time. They didn't, they didn't really wouldn't have really been aware of that they were living on an ashram then necessarily
2: a little bit but not too much but we they went to their school and we would start off our day with like yoga and meditation and then they had a lot of free time and it was very creative um they were taught incredible skills how to make decisions for themselves um not hurting other people Uh, how to live in your environment uh, in a state of mindfulness, but what, although they may not remember all of it, what it gave them was a good, strong, solid foundation that they have today. And without that experience, they wouldn't be the children who they are. Um, When I first moved to Montana a few years ago, my daughter came home from school and she goes, so... We didn't grow up like the rest of the kids. Did we? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you didn't. But they ate mindfully. Um, they know how to put good food into their body. They know how to balance themselves when they feel a little stressed or upset. They know what they need to do individually for them to come back to their centeredness. Those are all skills I think we need to teach children today. Yes, so we completely they they really agree. To they agree. Out and respond. Yeah. yeah,
1: we we think that it should start within the schools um, as a foundation um, right at the beginning, um, but it's just not taught, and they don't even mm-hmm. learn basic life skills.
2: Right, and that's what a lot of this was was basic life skills living. And my son, he's very um, active, and he learned that when he had stress, and it was really hard for him to cope out in the world with all the things that come out, he goes, I have to go take a timeout. And my timeout is I'm gonna ride my skateboard down the street. And he would physically get the energy out of his body. That's amazing. My daughter is completely opposite. She's like, this is too much. I've been around too many people. I'm gonna be in my room for a day, come find me later. And so they mm-hmm. have very different mechanisms, but they know what they are for them and they do that.
1: Oh, that's so important to learn at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Have they like shared this with any of their friends? Do, do they
2: give their um, friends tips? They do. <laughs> but maybe not I learned this at the ashram. They no, will, yeah <laughs> but they, they will say, Did you consider this perspective kind of type of scenario? And that's what they do. And then their friends are always calling them for what needs to happen or what the event yeah, I'm
0: not surprised. But I also
2: <laughs> raise my kids to be very independent and empowered themselves so they can make the decisions and the choices and then when they need to they come to me for the guidance but i don't give them the answer i let them choose their answer i just guide them to the one i want yeah yeah (laughs) i got to learn as a parent being at the ashram and doing the schooling with them it's such a different way to parent
0: isn't it like a lot of the stuff we've learned now our children are a bit older,
1: yeah. you wish you knew when they were younger. Yeah, definitely. If, if we could have so, taught them meditation and mindfulness yeah. from the very beginning, it could have made such a difference. It still can, but um, it would have been nice from the start.
2: Right. So some of the things that I've done in the past, hey, mom, can I go do this or can I stay out to this time? And rather than saying yes or no, it's why would you want to do that? And then I have them think through it, yeah. and then, well, what's going to honor you, are you doing this because your friend asked you to stay out? Or, and then they start thinking through those things by asking of the question, and then they make their own decision. Yeah. So you just ask the question in a way that it guides them to the one that you think is best.
0: <laughs> That's good though, because it's creating those uh, healthy boundaries from a young age, rather yeah. than always thinking you have to say yes to everyone. And then putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation,
1: isn't it? Yeah. And teaching them to find the solutions for themselves has got to be one of the most important lessons they can learn. Mm -hmm. Do you think um, the things that you learn in the financial
0: services, do you think those are like transferable skills to the
2: work that you do now? It taught me in a different way. When I was little, I grew up near the poverty line in California in Silicon Valley, and money was always stressful. And... It was a secret. We weren't allowed to talk about it. And it was an embarrassment because my parents were always needing help. And it was right at the time that women could be anything in the world. So I kind of got pushed into a profession. And I had been so passionate about helping other people with money that I chose to become a financial advisor because I wanted people and their children to have opportunities that I may not have had. But the The passion was there, my how-to method to what the world said wasn't accurate. It wasn't how I needed to put my passion into into fruition into the world. And what it did give me was a really good basis because after I left the ashram, I was financially devastated myself because it was during a global recession and nobody was hiring anybody in the securities world. So I was literally jobless. And so I dedicated my life to the healing path with all the things that I've learned. And through that part of the journey, I started realizing how money was a form of energy and how you are an energy being and how you feel about yourself is how money is influenced in the outside world. Because by itself, it doesn't do anything. It needs you to know how to react and respond in your life. So I saw it all from a subconscious point of view instead of a conscious point of view. And I wrote a book that's an international bestseller called Financially Fit, which is all the subconscious money, feelings, programming, things that we go through, how to work through them, and how to change it in your current reality, and then create your own financial affluence story for you today. So I have a book, I have a couple of programs that came from it, but without that background in the financial services, I don't know that I could have made the correlations and put it together to yeah. bring this message. It's funny how it all like ties in together, isn't it? When you look back on your life and it yes.
0: leads you to a path that you're meant to be on. But that is Absolutely. true with the, with the money blocks then that people have and like mm-hmm. when we talk of manifestation and how you do... There's like, like you said, there's embarrassment about talking about money, whether you've got enough. Some people don't like it if they've got too much and they think people are going to judge them and it's just removing all that blocks, isn't it?
2: It is. And you're like, it's like you've already read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know, when you get down to the heart of it, people want change in three areas, health, wealth, or relationships. And I went through all three of those in five years. And <laughs> what they're really looking for is happiness, prosperity, and love. Yeah. And when you get down to the root of an issue, no matter what area you're talking about to a client, they'll say things like, I want to know that I'm worthy or that I'm enough or that I'm appreciated or valued. Well, in the financial services world, we'll say things like, here's your Here's your net worth. Here's your portfolio value. Your assets appreciated. Or maybe they depreciated. Oh, and do you have enough money to fund XYZ goal? And if you didn't have enough money um, to fund the goal, you are likely not to feel like you were enough on the inside. And if you don't feel like you're enough on the inside, you're never going to have enough money on the outside. And then of course, judgment, if I have too much money, what are people going to think they're going to judge me because I have money. And, and that's a whole nother set of issues in a way that we sabotage ourselves to block the abundance from coming in. So you're exactly right. (laughs) I just got to work out how to let the abundance come in though. Yes.
0: Yeah. We'll just have to read the book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so what advice would you give our listeners if they're not happy in their current situation, in their career or in their life? Obviously you've massively changed your direction and gone in a different path. So what would you, advice would you give someone was it, that's at that stage where they're thinking, I'm just not happy and I want to do something different? Right.
2: Well, the likelihood is, is that they're probably focusing on where they are unhappy instead of where they are happy in life. Previously, I had an employer say to me on a regular basis, are you happy? And, and it, it got to the point over the, the couple of years that if they walked into the room, immediately I'm thinking, am I happy? Because I was getting programmed that way. And I would start thinking, well, I'm happy today, but I wasn't happy yesterday. Well, why couldn't I have been happy yesterday. What could have I have changed? Or I'm you know 62% happy, and the rest I'm not happy. Okay, why couldn't I be 100% happy? So I was trying to quantify happiness. So after a period of time, I decided to write in a journal and I called it my happiness journal. And I'm like, why aren't I happy? Well, what makes me happy? And where do I find happiness at? And so I started writing in a journal at the end of every day, sometimes throughout the day, my happy moments of when I felt happiness. Because I was keeping a log to understand first what allowed me to choose happiness. And then it started focusing my attention on the happiness. And then happiness creates more happiness. So then, pretty soon, I know what makes me happy. I know how to be happy. And I was living in a state of happiness because I'm there more often than not anymore. If I have a moment of stress or frustration, it's like, why am I accepting that in my paradigm? And what do I need to do for my own happiness? So I don't think it's our outside circumstances, our environments. It's one of the things that I've learned because happiness truly is on the inside of you. And if it's things outside of you where you're just going, oh, that didn't make me happy. And this person did this and this environment over here and pandemic this and you're blaming something outside of you for how you're choosing to feel on the inside. But if you were to take the reins and write in a happiness journal and understand what made you happy on the inside, the things in the outside world can come and go, but you can keep your balance in that happiness. So that's what I would do is I would write it down, put it in a journal. And stay to understand about you,
0: i you? like that it's a good it's a
1: different spin on gratitude isn't it yeah we do a gratitude we're, we're quite keen gratitude journalers. um mm-hmm. so yeah it's a different spin on it isn't it yeah it's a nice um, way of like way of, what areas of your life yeah aren't you actually happy. so do you still journal now and do you have any other daily um habits uh, that you would recommend to
2: other people Oh, absolutely. I have like a whole list of them. <laughs> one of the other things that I do do is a breathing exercise because when we breathe in, we're breathing in oxygen, all the good things our body needs. And when we breathe out, we're breathing out carbon dioxide, all the toxins and things our body doesn't need. So every couple of hours, I set a timer. I'll do this for two or three minutes. Um, or if I feel stress or frustration or pressure or anxiety, anything that's not happiness, what I do is I identify the feeling that I have, let's say stress, bitterness, and then I identify the feelings that I want to have, happiness, kindness. And so I set a timer for about three minutes or so on my phone and close my eyes and I breathe in. I'll breathe in kindness and I'll breathe out. Bitterness, breathing kindness, breathe out bitterness. And I will do that continually until the timer goes off. What it does is it clears the energy out of your, the lower energy out of the body. It gives you clarity and focus of the mind. You can return to your task. You'll get it done faster. It changes the physiological aspect of your body. You become more relaxed, um, calmer, more at peace. And then that happiness, the joy, the the good things, the generosity can start returning into the body because you just changed it, and you said, "I'm not going to accept the lower. I'm going to bring in the higher." Nice. All about raising those vibrations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that doing yeah. it
1: throughout the day, though. Not just wait. Not just
0: waiting necessarily to your stress, but actually doing it to keep yourself yeah. at a happy state throughout the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. We could definitely Absolutely. do that.
2: And it gives you that mental break every two or three hours. Most of us can only pay attention to something for that amount of time. And then we go from one task to the next, to the next, to the next. So we don't give ourselves those transition times in between activities. And when you do, then you have that ability to regain your composure. It's kind of like when you're at home and you have the kids and then you have to get in the car to travel somewhere and you have that transition time and it's all chaotic or when you're coming home and they're like hey can can we have this and we have this and can I go do this and you're like I just walked in through the door I need like two minutes so that breathing exercise is like the transition time to reset the mind reset the stage reset the body to move forward in a more efficient calmer peaceful way
1: I love that yeah I do yeah I'm going to practice that more definitely (laughs) so
2: I know you're known as the mind
0: whisperer What does that
2: actually mean? (laughs) I had a friend a while back ask me what it was that I did. And I said, well, I work with people in the subconscious. We reprogram the lower energies to higher energies based on their events and how they feel about it. Because the subconscious records every event from the moment you're born to the moment you access this earth. And then it's constantly assigning the feelings and emotions moment by moment to those events. The problem is is that you are only aware of that happening 10% of the time. The other 90% is just getting coded and it's not addressed. So when you are going on about your day and all at once you have a moment and you're triggered and you're angry and you don't know why, it's because there's something in the subconscious that needs to shift and change. So your brain is like a computer. And through the ashram, through studying with the medicine woman and some other natural healers, I learned very specific techniques to not only do that for myself, but change that energy vibration that got stuck there to something higher. So you get what you ask for hundred percent of the time in the way you want it. So I go through this elaborate explanation. I'm sure it was a little bit more than what I just shared. And he goes, I don't know what you do, but I think you're a mind whisperer, kind of like a dog whisperer and a horse whisperer. You just show <laughs> up and it's just changes. And the media caught on to it, grabbed onto it. And for the last several years, I'm known as a mind whisperer because of how we can go in and reprogram our brains.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, you mentioned working with a medicine woman um, and you've also worked with shamans, yogic healers, Buddhist monks. Is there yeah. any one, one person that has really influenced you and
2: inspired you the most? When I was working with all the different natural healers, there was different aspects of what they taught and showed me that was like a missing piece of the puzzle. And I don't think I could do what I do today without having gone through and worked with or learned something energetically from them. I also studied and certified in a couple of different healing modalities. Those also facilitated, but what those did was that gave me a form and a structure to work in. But it was really through the different natural healers. Um, so the medicine woman taught me how to pivot and shift energy, whether physically, mentally, emotionally. But the yoga healer taught me how to go deeper into a meditation, into an energy of no thought. So when I ask for the change, it's not influenced. And the the person receiving the healing receives a greater healing because I didn't influence it. So it's, it's, it's a combination of all of it for me.
1: Wow.
2: So when you're working with someone, um, do you have
0: favorite techniques that you like if you're looking at reprogramming or is it more about the person you're working with, what you think would suit them better?
2: What I use is a format, a structure that I have put together of asking certain specific questions so I know how to get to the heart of the matter. Mm -hmm. um I always use the words the client is saying because it's them not me and they have free will so when the lower energy is identified it's something that they told me and I would repeat it so I had a, a gentleman come up in the audience when I was on tour in Farmington Connecticut and I asked him what he wanted to change and he said I want to create more more money and I said okay he goes. I'm comfortable where I'm at now, but I want to create more. I asked him why, I was curious. You're comfortable, why do you want more? And he goes, well, my boys are getting ready to graduate from high school in a couple of years. They're going to go off to college. There's some things we want to do together as a family. And I need the more to be able to do it. So I asked him, how do you feel by not having more? He told me what was stopping him, frustration. So we find out where it's at in the body, going back to an event where he felt it, and then we uncover what it was that he needed. And he said, well, I want to have a sense of pride. I want my sons to respect me. So I know those are the higher qualities to what he was learning. So when I watch the energy shift and change, we're putting in pride and respect. His words, his energy, his vibration, and we pull out the frustration. Two years later, his boys are graduating from high school. They did all the things they wanted to do and they go to college this fall just from a 15 minute example. So can you imagine how deep we can go in an hour session to really get a good deep clearing rather than just exchanging energy on the subconscious surface level? And that's what happens. And it's, do you,
0: so <laughs> I take it a lot of the time what people think the, the issue is or what they think is wrong. It's normally a lot deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all to do with what is right, right. Conscious.
2: Mm-hmm. when I asked him the, uh, the person that came up for the example I asked him what was the first time he remembered feeling that frustration in his gut area and he goes the image that comes is when my parents got divorced he was put in the middle he was an only child and he goes it was so frustrating But what also happened in that is that the more of their combined income got divided up so each family was comfortable but they didn't have the more and the extra and it returned frustration and when we changed it to the sense of pride and the sense of accomplishment the respect that he wanted and needed i had him relook at that event of what happened and he goes this is so strange i'm not in the middle anymore and I just see that I'm happy and I'm riding my bicycle down the street and I'm playing with my friends. They still got divorced, but I was doing something different. And so it shifted and changed his entire perception of what happened by changing the vibrational frequency that he got stuck on. Wow. And it was because of the happiness that he felt with those energies that facilitated everything else moving forward for him but Less- he didn't know that that's what it was stopping him from earning additional income. Yeah. It must be very rewar- rewarding for you
1: when you get those moments where they're, aha, yeah. uh-huh, like, yeah, that's yeah. the issue. Mm-hmm. Forget the feeling of imposter syndrome. Cause, um, it's something
2: that we've been discussing ourselves a lot recently. Let me get your definition of imposter syndrome, because I've been hearing that a lot lately yeah. and it <laughs> something totally different to me. So what do you mean by imposter syndrome to you? Uh, we mean the
1: feeling that other people know more than you and mm-hmm. what gives you the right to be there at that time, trying to tell people how they can do better. Well, like you, like you okay. might be qualified in something.
0: Yeah. So I'm qualified in my profession and you are. Uh, yeah. Both qualifications. But then we feel like sometimes we're not good enough because we haven't
1: been qualified for as long. Yeah. There's always someone better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. You feel like you're an imposter um, because you're not really as qualified as what you're saying you are. <laughs> I,
2: I don't feel that when I work with clients or when I teach students or when I mentor people because they're asking and coming to me so there's three things that i have that i consider a healer's creed one you can't want the healing more than the client. they have to want it yeah. if i want it more then it's not going to work for them they're not ready yeah. the big part is they have to ask if i go out and say hey i can help you with this we can do this we can do this we can do this It creates a resistance. And then that's where I think the imposter syndrome comes in. But if they ask me, that's a whole different story. And because they ask, they're open and they're willing. And then the third thing is, is I cannot violate their free will. They are still going to choose what they're going to choose. I can watch the adjustments, make the changes, but if intuitively or energetically, they don't want it. I feel it kind of bounce off of them, which tells me there's a block and something to work through and then (laughs) it'll go in. But um, but you can't violate another person's free will. It's theirs. Um, I can only be here as a guide and as a mentor. But if if I don't ask, or if I ask and they don't ask me, it can create that imposter syndrome, yeah. Yeah. So do you,
0: but obviously you've um, helped loads of people over the years. Do you see common, like, do, do you ever think that you're having the same conversation over and over and you think... There must be a way to say, surely there's a way that this message can
2: get out <laughs> to the world. That, that... <laughs> There are commonalities with a lot of it. And that's part of why the last several years I've been moving from, I still have an individual private practice, mm-hmm. but taking the message from the individual level to the global stage, to go out and be <laughs> on more stages, speak live, do different things, and work with groups of people at the exact same time because there's going to be a lot of commonality and if I can make those shifts from stage while they are there, then they will leave transforms, which is really cool. And then I can create a greater audience. And then it's kind of like the hundredth monkey. You only need a hundred people to change the consciousness because you start energetically, it changes the next person, the next person, mm. the next person. And if as I get in front of more and more people, that can happen and be facilitated on a faster level, so these common threads that we've been sharing it for so long can change for everyone. But with every person I work with, with every person that I talk to, there's some sort of change, and they go out there a different person in the world. It's gonna, it's a ripple effect, and it always happens.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't yeah, it? it must be very satisfying because if you've got, like you said, if you've got 100 people listening to you, and they go and tell two or three people you've actually helped so many 300 people yeah
2: exactly it may not be direct but it every change you make the world will become a better place
0: yeah
2: and we have to keep doing it like that until
0: nothing's going to change until we learn as a world to treat our children or or not you know like right in the young
2: years that needs to change doesn't it It all the conditioning how that changes, I don't Absolutely. know. That. <laughs> yeah. I know there's a, the great saying, I think it was, Gandhi: be the change you wish to see in the world. Yeah. I often say, be the love you wish to be in the world. Because oh, it's the love that's the change.
0: That's what I was telling you the other day. I was picking up someone else's dog poo in the park. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because they'd, they, they'd left it there. And I was like, no, be the change you want to see. Don't just leave it there. There'll be children in this park. Yeah. yeah. and it's out
1: of love that we do it so yeah yeah (laughs) good intentions yeah yeah this is a good question we really enjoy asking um if you could go back and give your younger self any advice
2: what would it be hang in there it gets better (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't change anything in the world I would still go through exactly what I went through Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. And knowing where I'm at today, I wouldn't go back and change one thing. So hang in there. It gets better. Everything yeah. you ask for, it happens. Um, hold on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So um, if any of our listeners want to get
2: in contact with you, what, what's the best way uh-huh. to get in contact with you? You can find me through my website at DonnaCampbell.com. You can either, it set up for email. I believe my um, number is also on there so you can message or call that way. Um, you can also find me in social media. So whether it's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, it's just under my name, Donna Campbell.
1: I think I just want to go and read the book. <laughs>
2: perfect 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 you can find financially fit is on amazon.com it's on barnes and noble and if you wanted an autographed copy it's financiallyfitbook.com and then i'll sign one and mail it out to you oh lovely thank
0: you i think i'm definitely gonna try the happiness journal so thank you for that too. Yeah.
2: yeah yep it was the greatest exercise that i did and it was only a few years ago that i realized i should really write down why i'm happy because that's the biggest question is a lot of people, they think money will make them happy. And then they come and they're like, "I now I have all this money and I'm not happy. And then it's yeah. like, okay, we get to uncover what your happiness is.
1: I think that's the easiest
2: so, thing to think, isn't it? That yeah. money, money is the issue, but.
1: Everybody's waiting. I'll be happy when I have, yeah. I'll be happy when I get. But what's stopping you from being happy yeah. now? Yeah life is too short yeah you yeah. definitely be happy today yeah definitely well you have been very inspirational and we have really enjoyed chatting to you um would you be happy to come back and chat to us again some
2: other time oh I would love to yes yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> oh it's been it has been really lovely yes. speaking to you with you and thank you for having me you're very very oh, you <laughs> <laughs> happy together
0: <laughs> oh thank you so much for coming on it's been a pleasure speaking to you we've we've taken away some tips and i know our listeners will definitely take away some great tips from you so thank you for coming on and um yeah we wish
1: you happiness <laughs> continued happiness for your future well thank you thank you very much we'll speak to you thank soon you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. We have something really exciting to share with you. Are you ready to supercharge your life by
0: becoming an aligned attractor to gain the knowledge and confidence to manifest abundance and live a life beyond your wildest dreams? Check out our free masterclass. And you'll be able to learn our simple method to become an aligned attractor so you can
1: manifest and attract more of what you want quicker and with less effort. Find the link to our free manifestation masterclass in the show notes.